0: Well, hey, uh It is it's good to uh, good to be able to connect, even if we're not able to get together in person. Uh, thank you, first of all, for um, taking us up on this opportunity to uh, to gather together in what we're calling this home experience through video. So, uh, I know it's a little bit different, but but thank you. I believe God has some things He's going to teach us this week, and uh, will uh, will spark some conversations I think that are worth uh, that are worth us having. We are uh, continuing this morning in what what would be week 3 of of our series called the fight uh, which is really us looking as we as we approach easter as we kind of get ready for the celebration of easter we're looking and saying what is it that god wants to do in us what is it that we need to learn uh, what is it that god wants to accomplish in us in preparation for the celebration and so the way that's framed out as we've gone over these last few weeks we've um, experienced different things where it's um, we recognize that that it's actually a fight right it's not just something that's happening to us but but sometimes we actually have to take that step and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for what I really want. I'm gonna say this is where I'm trying to get to, or this is what God's trying to get me to, and I'm gonna fight for it. Uh, and so this this morning, as we as we continue, really what we're talking about is is less of of a, of a fight, right, kind of like squaring off in a fight, but more of a confrontation. And what I mean by that, um, in some ways, what we're going to be forced to do is is to confront just the reality of our human condition, right? The reality of, of who we are as human beings as we kind of work to, to live life and, and live within that in that kind of context. And then we're also going to look at the, the reality of suffering, right? To to understand what, what suffering really is and, and and the way that plays out and, and the way it works in our lives as we as we kind of go step by step by step. So as we approach Easter, for us to understand. Um, I think first of all the the necessity of what Christ did for us, what Jesus did for us, and then to, to recognize what what He continues to do for us. Um, in some ways, you could you could phrase it this way: that that it's one thing to to know that Easter happened, right, as a as a historical event that that Christ lived for us, that 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 He died, that He rose again from the dead, and we can look at that historically. But it's it's another thing for us to recognize that there was a why behind what Jesus did, that, that he cared so much for us, right? that, that he loved us so much, that, that he suffered for us, that, that he went through the cross for us, that he led the way through death for us. So it's one thing to know that Easter happened, it's another thing to, to know why it happened, um, and then to, to know even how it, how it changes things for us, which is really what this season of reflection is for. It's for us to, to pause and say, so. So we're going to celebrate, but, but what is it that we're celebrating? What is it that, that we have to be excited about? What is it that we have to be grateful for? And so we, we, we on that foundation, then we, uh, then we have our celebration. So it's kind of the theological foundation for the celebration. So we're looking in Romans chapter 5, uh, the first few verses of Romans chapter 5, which is really picking up right where we, right where we stopped um, last Sunday as we, as we walked through that passage. And it starts with the, with the word therefore, which means it's actually connected, right? It's actually a, a continuation of that thought where, where Jesus has, uh, Paul, as he's talking about, uh, about Jesus, he's making some big statements, some, some statements with some serious implications. And he says, so, so therefore... Right? If if what is, is what I'm saying about Christ is true, then it means that we should live differently, right? That there's a there's this this next step that's connected with the with the reality of the truth that he's just presented about Jesus. But he says, therefore, he says, therefore, since we uh, since we have been justified through faith, then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Therefore, since Christ has done for us what we could never do for ourselves, then, then we have peace with God, that we've been justified through faith, that, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news, the, um, the encouraging news in, in this moment or in this, in this particular piece of the passages is, is what Paul is talking about, isn't this, well, maybe, Right, or or if, if it all keeps going well, or if you do all the right things, then, then justification can happen. That, that you can be at peace through God if you have all the pieces put together in the way that, that you, you think you have to have them put together. He says, since we have been, right? He's talking to people who are following Jesus. He's talking to people who, who are trying to learn what it looks like to live out the Jesus way in their lives. He says, therefore, since we have been justified. So it's a completed action, right? It's, it's something that, that, that's, a, that's a status that, that's, it's a settled status with God. He says, since we have been justified through faith, then we have peace with God. And the beauty of that is that we have peace with God and that's, um, that's peace with the one, that the price was paid by the one who, who has actually been wronged. Right, so for us to, to imagine trying to, to come to peace with God, we might have this picture of if we can just figure out a way to negotiate some peace or if we could figure out a way to, to kind of like establish a balance or correct the balance in, in, in our favor when we relate to God, that uh, Paul is saying the, the good news is we have peace because God brought peace because through Jesus Christ that, that we that we have the opportunity to have peace with God. So it's not that we've made an offer of, of peace with God, but that God has made an offer of peace to us because we could never settle the debt, because we could never accomplish what has been accomplished for us, that, 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 that God through Jesus settled a debt that we couldn't pay um, and, and the he's he's inviting us to, to live in that way so God takes all of that the the striving and the and the the desires that we might have to, to figure out ways to justify ourselves or to try and create peace based on our own behaviors and God takes all of that and says there's grace right there's grace that's extended to us through the this person of Jesus Christ he says this says that um, that there is this grace in which we stand as Paul continues he says that um, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That our firm footing, that the position that we have, that the standing that we have, that the confidence that we have, is is not based on our efforts, but it's based on the work of of Jesus. He says, "So on this firm footing, before God, on the on the footing of grace that's been extended to us through Jesus, that has been given to us through Christ." that we can then celebrate right he uses boasting language he said when we we boast in the hope of the glory of God that there's a response that when we start to realize what this has actually looked like for us when we start to realize the the difference that that Jesus has made for us that and we recognize that there is grace we recognize that that we can have peace with God that that then we begin to rejoice right it's not just a matter of boasting but it's this it's this idea of of rejoicing in hope when we've been forced to recognize the brokenness of the human condition right when we when we've been forced to to recognize that that all is not as it should be then we can start to realize that as as the pieces start to come together in the right way that uh, that that there is that there is hope so we don't just rejoice in hope, that we, but, um, but we also are, are learning to rejoice in situations that maybe don't look like hope, uh, in situations as Paul would be writing to, to people who probably were experiencing persecution, to, to people who, who were living in less than ideal circumstances. He says, look, it's not just that we rejoice when it feels like hope, but he says, what does it look like for us to learn to rejoice in situations that don't look like hope at all? And what Paul's doing is um, he's separating, and I think it's good for us to recognize this, he's separating this idea of hope and this, this idea of grace from, from what we experience as, as present circumstances. Paul's saying, look, that, that there is grace, there is hope. Um, and it may not look like it in our specific moment or in the, in, the, in the specific experience or the present circumstances that we face, but there is hope and, and there is grace the thing that we do is we try and connect them. We try and say, well, I will feel hope when this situation feels hopeful, or I will feel like I've been given grace when my present circumstances look like what I would expect grace to look like. In other words, if I do the right things, then I receive grace from God, which we might interpret as uh, that God is rewarding us with a with a simple or a safe life, one that, that kind of goes without any kind of tension, that, that doesn't require suffering from us and all those things. And, it's just not how it works. Right? It's just not the way that, that it works. And Paul's saying this is the, the, the journey that we walk as we, we go and we celebrate hope. We, we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in what Jesus did for us. Um, we we stand on grace, right? That, that as we, we approach God, that that all those things are, are active, but present circumstances may or may not reflect what we would think hope or, or what grace would, would maybe look like. It's a misunderstanding of hope and grace. But the reality is that that God continues to use our circumstances to, to shape us, to maybe get our attention, to, to draw us closer, to, to grow us deeper, that, that we can stand firmly in grace, even in difficult circumstances. We can stand with our feet planted firmly in grace as we approach God, regardless, this is the good news, regardless of past, uh, present, or future circumstances, that, that we can boast in the, in the hope of the glory of God it means that, that, that we can stand firm whatever may come. Right, so this is, what, this is what Paul is encouraging. And so he continues in, in verse 3. He says, not only so, but we glory in our, in our sufferings. Right? So, so even when our circumstances get more difficult, that, that we continue to rejoice, that we continue to, to, to be grateful and, 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 and find the glory of God in the midst of that, that we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our, our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then Paul continues. He says, you see, verse 6, you see at just the right time, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That the turn of the conversation, as Paul is saying, kind of lean in. Let's let's really have a conversation about, about the timing because the timing matters. Paul doesn't say that... Um, that, that once you had it all together, and once we had it all together, and once we had all the pieces put together, and once we felt like we could be confident before God based on our own actions, based on our own kind of way of operating, that that then Christ died for us. But Paul says the, the timing matters because the timing is what's going to give us confidence as we move forward because it, at just the right time, at just the right time, when it was so abundantly clear that it was that it was nothing other than grace, that that while we were still powerless, right, while we were still unable to do anything for ourselves, that that Christ died for the ungodly, that Christ died for us. The timing matters because it makes it so clear that it was grace, and before we had done anything to earn it. That that Paul then defi- defines grace as. Is, is not just forgiveness right we've been forgiven but he says we've also been given something that we just do not deserve this unmerited favor this this unearned favor from god then he continues maybe to, to help us understand the way we would operate the way that we would if, if we were kind of in the position of doing the reconciling work the way that we might be tempted to operate that, that paul says so let's let's just pull that out let's talk about the human condition Verse 7 Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still, uh, while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. That that there is this hard truth. That's 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 that this confrontation. That's that's forcing us to to confront the condition that we were in. That forces us to confront the kind of the, the status and position that we were in, and and then recognize what God did for us when He stepped into our world, to to confront to confront the reality that grace reveals God's love for us. To recognize that it's a hard truth about who we were, about who we are, and about who we would or would maybe will continue to be without God stepping in. But then it's wrapped in this beautiful truth. So it's, it's, it's a hard truth wrapped in a beautiful truth about God. And it's the best news that we can imagine because it isn't about what we have done. It isn't about the, the, our own ability to clean ourselves up. But it's the gospel. And it's such good news it's the gospel, because in the next nine words that, that we have in, our, in, in the English translation of the Bible, Paul reveals the, the gospel in its most basic form. The, he says this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, right, the, the position that we were in, the condition that we were in, the, the kind of the, the status that we had that had nothing to do with our own ability to clean ourselves up, had nothing to do with the works that we had done. That while we were still sinners, Christ died. Right? So what did what did Jesus do? He died for us. He paid a price that, that would go beyond anything that we could have imagined. That would maybe start to help us understand even the value that we have to God. That, that Christ died, that this is what he did, but then he says that that this is why he did it. He did it for us. That even when God looked and, and saw ungodly people that, that probably had or that, that had no, um, that were unworthy of what was about to be given to them that God loved us so much, that God loved us so much that he sent his son for us, and and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is good news, and this is why the timing matters, because to understand that it's while we were still sinners, to understand that that it's the work that God did through Christ for us, we start to understand the the, the reality of the good news, we start to understand that, that once we confront the condition that we were in, once we confront kind of where we started the journey, where we were met by Jesus, then we can celebrate the, the, the journey that he, of, of where he's taking us and we can look to the cross with hope and we can say, God, thank you for what you've done instead of having fear that would say, I'm so far off and I, and I just have so many things I've got to do and if I can f- somehow figure out a way to, to earn myself good favor with God and to remind ourselves that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As Paul continues and continues to give hope because he continues to, to lay this theological foundation for the, the invitation that he's, that he's given to these people to, to follow after. He's given to us too to, to follow after the way of Jesus. He says, verse 9, since, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Verse 10, for if, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, then, then how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That, that Paul is, 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 is giving this logical flow. He says, look, if, if, if it's true that we've been justified through Jesus, if it's true that we've been justified, then it has to be true that we're also saved from the wrath of God. Right. This is good news. This is this is the, the something that might help us understand the the way that we can stand in confidence before God as as we're as we're still in that process of being made along the way. Well, God's still working on us. Well, God's still doing a transforming work in us. But we can look and and we can imagine and understand as as Paul is helping his readers understand that that if it's true that we've been justified, and he's just been talking about the justification through Christ. That that if that is true, then it's also true that that we're saved from the wrath of God because. The truth is this, when we start to understand the way this, this plays out, is, is that, we can't, that we can't be justified and also living in the wrath of God. That, it, that those two things do not coexist. That, that, that we live that, that in a way that, that isn't marked by fear of God's wrath because we've been justified. That, that, that we're, we're in good relationship with him, we're in right relationship with him because of what Jesus did for us. This true statement, but the the, the condition, the, the reality that we have, the way that we live it out, um, we we live in a way that doesn't always that doesn't always look like we believe that this is the case. Because here we are, if we've if we've entrusted our lives to Jesus, if we've if we've come to to, to him for salvation, if we've asked him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, then then we don't live in opposition to God, right? We don't live in fear of the wrath of God what happens often though is that we either let our fear of God's wrath, let our fear of God's wrath keep us from coming to Him for 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 that for that next step or for that refining work that He wants to continue to do in us. Or or maybe we just settle. We just settle for something less that that, that isn't all that we could be because we let it keep us from living the life that He saved us to live. Because we're worried if we don't get it right. We're worried if, if God looks on our lives and, and and recognizes that that we've got a long way to go that that maybe he's going to give up on us. And so we say, I'm just going to settle for what I have right now. But Paul says, if we would get this right, if we would allow the logical flow to play out, if we would recognize that, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us, then, then we've been justified. Then, then we don't live in fear of God's wrath, but we get to live in hope and, and stand in grace and live in hope for what God wants to do in us. And so we've been reconciled. That we can remember that, that while we were still sinners, we can remember our backstory, we can remember where it is that we came from, that while we, that while we were still sinners, that we were reconciled, that, that we were reconciled not just to, to one step, but reconciled to become something better than we were, right? That there is a purpose, that there's an invitation, that, that there's a journey that lies ahead of us, that, that it's not just a matter of being reconciled to God, and then we, we check that off the list and say, okay, now I go about living the rest of my life. But we, we go and we're reconciled to we become something better than what we were, that, that, it's, that it's a process, that it's a process of growing into, in, into God so that our lives more and more reflect the life of Jesus. We don't do that if we're running in fear, right? We don't do that if we're, we're, if we're living in fear of God's wrath, but for us to understand the, the process, for underst- to, uh, to understand what God did, to understand what it means for us. So then Paul continues in verse 11, he says, not only is this so, right? As, as if that was that as if that wasn't enough for us. But but Paul says, not only is this so, but but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul speaks of boasting or speaks of rejoicing in, in this sense because because there's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that, that it changed everything for us when, when Christ stepped into this world. that that we can find rest, that we can find a, the ability to rejoice, that, that we can celebrate what has happened for us, right, as we, in these few weeks leading up to Easter, to, to recognize that, that when we celebrate the empty grave, when we celebrate that, that Christ rose from the dead, we, we get to celebrate what it means for us, that, that we can celebrate the resurrection, but we can also celebrate that, that, that we've been reconciled, we can celebrate the, re- the reconciliation as well that we can boast because of the, life, the, of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that we can rest in him, but, but then we can also boast, that we can also rejoice that, that our, our past, our present, and our future have been, been, have been reconciled to God by God, that that weight is off of our shoulders, that, that, we, can, that we can come with confidence, that, that we can celebrate that, that what God has done is good and is for our benefit and, and, and helps us move forward. That whatever our past has been marked by, whatever our present circumstances look like in this moment, and 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 our future is held right in, in in the grip of God. That our past, present, and future have been reconciled by reconciled to God by God, not by not by our efforts, not by our, by what we have done, but we can have confidence because it's been done by God. And so we speak of the fight, right? This is. This is the, the, the umbrella that we're, that, we're, that we're looking at under this, this, whole, this whole journey leading up to Easter. And we look at the fight, but really this morning what we're talking about is, is a confrontation, right? It's confronting the reality of the human condition. It's, it's confronting the, the reality of what suffering means for us or what it requires of us or what it does for us. That Paul, Paul in, in this passage, is inviting us to look at the cross and face the hard truth. Right? Instead of just avoiding reality, to, to confront the hard truth and, and then to find real hope instead of just not reflecting on the journey, instead of just not, not looking back, instead of not looking around to allow ourselves to be distracted, Paul says, what would it look like? What would it look like for us here as we, as we navigate what our next steps are for us as individuals, for us as a church, for us as a community, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront reality or I'm going to confront the hard truth. But I'm going to also, at the end of that confrontation, or maybe in the midst of that confrontation, allow God to give me real hope, and to and to let that change, and to allow that to to help us live in better kinds of ways. So this week, the fight that we're talking about isn't isn't a battle, right? It's not squaring off in that kind of way, but but it's 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 the confrontation. Right? It's a, it's the, it's standing and saying, I'm willing to go through this process, and so we confront. Uh, we, re- we confront the reality of the human condition, that, that we can recognize that, that, that we're just not good, or at least we weren't good, that, that, that when God stepped into our story, that, that it wasn't because we had it all figured out. It wasn't because the- we had put the pieces together in a way that, that pleased him or, or compelled him to act on our behalf. That we confront the reality of the human condition. This is where hope starts to come in, because we can recognize where we were when God loved us. Because the gospel doesn't always feel good unless we we have the whole kind of understand the whole story that because there's there's this tension or this tendency that we have to to maybe um, to, to fail to see how far we've come as we've journeyed with God, as we've journeyed closer to Him, as we've as we've followed after Jesus, that that sometimes by not looking back and not, not looking at the whole story or not recognizing where it was that we started. Then we then we then we miss where it is that we are now, or at least the significant journey that that God has taken us through to to get us to where we are now. Or we so we either fail to see how far we come, or we fail that, to to see that that maybe we've got maybe we've still got a ways to go, and we can convince ourselves that that we can just pause where we're at, or we can be satisfied with where we're at, and not recognize that that God didn't just just save us um, kind of like from something, but He's saving us to a way of living as well if we don't recognize where god meets us if we don't recognize where god meets us then then, then maybe we actually end up spending our lives trying to hide the, those things from god that that were marking the 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 reality of our lives of the of the broken place that we were in when god met us if we don't recognize that that god looked and and saw us in that that he saw us in the midst of our brokenness he saw us in our in the midst of our deep need for a savior and he sent a savior All right if we if we if we miss that if we think that it had something to do with us earning that, that way forward, then, then, we, then we end up hiding those things that, that are true of, of us that we think that maybe God doesn't want to see. If we don't re- realize where God meets us, then we spend our lives trying to hide those things from him. And if we don't realize how far God needs to take us, then we spend our lives thinking that we're okay, thinking that we're good enough, thinking that, that we've kind of like checked everything off the list and we don't have a, a need for the next step. And so the, the, the reality of this moment, the reality of this season of reflection is, is that we have the opportunity to confront the reality of the human condition, not just kind of in a broad sense, but, but in, 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 our, in, in the sense of our own lives, in a, in a specific way for us. We confront the reality of the human condition and we confront the reality of suffering to understand that suffering actually makes us better that that suffering connects what we learn and and what we experience and 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 how we feel uh, with who we to and how we feel with with who we're becoming right that in some ways it's it's the it's the furnace that fuses all those things together this this journey that we're on this, this these tensions that we walk through where we're maybe still holding on to things that we need to let go of and we're trying to take hold of what's next for us but but there's that tension, and, and, and there's going to be suffering. There's going to be things that, that God uses to, to kind of like help, help kind of like release those things and, and help us maybe fuse to the things that really matter so that we're aren't, we aren't just driven. We're not just driven by that one thing. I wrote in my notes, and I think maybe it's, it's good for us at, at, at this moment just to say that um, not all spiritually formative suffering not all spiritually formative suffering is, is God-inflicted. Some of it's self-inflicted, right? Some of it's just the fruit of bad decisions. It's the fruit of, of kind of the way that we're living, the, the brokenness and, and, the, and the selfishness and all those things that, that, that we find ourselves struggling to hold on to things that we should let go of, that, that we fail to accept the truth of our forgiveness, that, that we're driven by selfishness. And then all those things come into conflict with, with what God wants our lives to be like, with what God's trying to, to, to accomplish in us. And so all of that becomes this spiritually formative suffering because it's, it's the tension that exists between what, what was or maybe what is and, and what will be. And it's hard, and it's painful, and we hold on to things longer than we should, and and we're not sure where we're comfortable letting go. But but the reality is this this is suffering that's that's spiritually formative. It's it's suffering that that maybe it's just a matter of us saying, God, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm going to actually trust you to to move me forward, to to take me to something better than somewhere better than than where I'm at now. We confront the reality of the human condition, of our own condition. We confront the reality of suffering, and then we we find hope through Christ as we confront this reality, right? as, we, as we confront reality, for us to, to have our story framed in a way that lets us celebrate Easter, that, that lets us celebrate what God has done for us. To look to the cross and, and not be fearful of what it might reveal in us or the, the brokenness that it might show up, the, the, the kind of the fear that we might have as we, as we journey towards the cross, as we take these next few weeks moving towards Easter. But we can look and we can find hope through Christ because we look and we look at the cross and instead of looking at something that might scare us or might, might be afraid that it might reveal something about us that, that, that make, might make God not love us, we can look at the cross and we can find hope because while we were still sinners, right, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's good news.